Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Welcome into the Bobby Taylor edition of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio, BleedingGreenNation.com, and BGNRadio.com. Wow, I got all three in that time, so I think I deserve a raise. Might have to go to HR and see if I can get a little raise for getting all three into my opening segment here. Um, but as we all know, we're back for the, the 21st edition of the Counterpoint Podcast, and... Last week was fun. It was fun because I, you know, we went to we went hard into the trust tree. Uh, the trust tree was definitely needed, needed last week, and I was just blown away with with how many people agreed with me about this whole uh, not totally really wanting to win with Nick Foles. Like, obviously, the point of it was never I don't want the Eagles to win the Super Bowl because in the end we're all Eagles fans. We all want them to win the Super Bowl, but it just felt it would feel more special dealing or having Carson Wentz be the first one to win the Super Bowl for the Eagles. And honestly, I just want my first time to be special. I'm just an innocent high school boy looking for the the perfect girl to win a Super Bowl with. And Carson Wentz was my perfect 10 and he was taken away from me. We are into a new year to a new year. And later on the episode, I'm going to tell you exactly what the year 2017 was for the Eagles. Um, We are, it's day 24 post Carson and it's snowing outside and uh, the only people that should be working today in Philadelphia are first responders and Nick Foles. <laughs> that was that was tweeted out by Marshall Harris, who heard overheard it at a restaurant that he was at this morning. And honestly, some of you have never been to Philadelphia or, or whatever. Uh, you're listening around the world, around the country. Uh, that is just about the most Philadelphia thing ever <laughs> like that's what makes Eagles that's what makes Eagles fans so awesome I mean uh obviously traveling to other stadiums and being Eagles fans is is great but just like the everyday everyone waking up thinking about the Eagles and like letting it completely affect the rest of their week is 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 exactly why uh, I love everything about the Philadelphia Eagles and their fans um I don't really want to do the Foles sucks thing anymore like I think the people that were on the Foles bandwagon um, they are now in the in the deep minority. Uh, he is god awful, and 
that interception on Sunday was disgusting. But tell me if anyone else agrees with me because, and I'm sure you have. I mean, I'm sure we've all gotten to this point. I'm sure we've all talked ourselves into this a little bit. I have at least semi-talked myself into uh, Doug keeping it super vanilla and not really having too much of a game plan and not using JHI that much and really just trying to make sure everyone gets out of these last two weeks alive. Uh, and, and maybe that's why Foles looks so bad. And maybe because it was just so vanilla, they weren't really getting creative. They weren't trying. They were trying to make sure they were healthy. And honestly, I've talked myself into that just a little bit. I really have. Doug's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. It's just a fact. This guy's the new Belichick. But I will say, I really do think that the Eagles are going to win round one. And it's not anything that I'm seeing on the tape or anything like that. It's just a real gut feeling with me. It just feels like for one game, Nick Foles can be competent enough to get the job done. And I think this defense at home is a, is a legit different animal. This defense at home is fun. This defense was really fun to watch against the Cowboys. How fucking funny was it that Dak Prescott and all the starters that the Cowboys had out there couldn't move the ball against the Eagles' third-string defense? They couldn't move the ball against the Eagles' third-string defense with Stephen Means looking like Hugh Douglas reincarnated. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The, the, the regression of Dak Prescott was so classic. And they ran Tony Romo out of town. They were just a dumb, a dumb franchise. And look where it got you. It got you a quarterback who was drafted in the fourth round and is now looking like he should have been drafted in the fourth round. It is classic. They get back Zeke. They're like, oh, we're going to go on a run here. Don't let us sneak into the playoffs. Guess what? You didn't sneak into the playoffs. You got Sean Lee back. He got fully healthy. Your quarterback just sucks. And your number one receiver uh, doesn't finish any of his routes. So really good stuff. Things are going well. The rest of the NFC East is is definitely not uh, having a good week. Um, but I really just think, you know, if, if if Doug Peterson is as good of a coach as we think he is, and I think everyone pretty much agrees that he's a good coach, but there are going to be some doubts creeping in if he if he loses this game on next Saturday. There just is because you have. You have two weeks to prepare. I mean, I know they're not really preparing this week, but they're practicing. And by the way, I absolutely love that the players went to Doug and were like, hey, we need to start hitting. It just, it's, the emo- it's the emotional intelligence that Doug has that I, that I really fuck with. I really like that side of Doug. One of my favorite aspects of Doug. But you have two weeks to prepare, essentially, for an opponent that is coming in here off of a, a you know it's going to be a, a, a dragging out affair the week before. It's going to be be playing on a short week in Philadelphia. You should be able to get Nick Foles at least competent enough or come up with a good enough game plan to where you can move the ball, you can put up some points, and it's not going to be a total dumpster fire. I think for the Eagles to win, I think the threshold is 17 points for both sides. Whoever gets to 17 points first, I think is going to win in round one. And I just think this Eagles defense at home you know, I think Doug really kind of let them chill for a little bit. He kind of let them just, hey, you know, we're going to try to, as, as we're going to give you guys reps, but they're not going to be hard reps. I want you guys as fresh as possible heading into 
the postseason. I think that was extra important for the defense. I mean, the defense last year, as we saw, was wearing down as the season went on. The pass rush just wasn't getting there. And this year, I thought they were slowly tr- starting to get to that point, and they were starting to trend down. But as we've seen these last two weeks-ish, uh, uh, in the second half of the, 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 the Raiders game, they were very good. Uh, and then last week against the Cowboys, they were fantastic. Uh, what we saw was a defense with fresh legs starting to get their their, their legs back and get their juices flowing. So I think the defense at home against any one of these teams is it's going to be it's going to be tough for a team to come in here and win. So I really do believe that they're going to win round one. They're going to make the NFC Championship game and they're probably going to lose. That would just feel right, honestly. It feel like the Eagles are back. <laughs> it really would. Uh, I just, just, just how is how I'm viewing the situation right now. I think that they're going to go out. Their legs are going to be all juiced up, all freshened up. Doug is going to get Nick as good as he possibly can get him to go. Uh, it may even be 40 degrees. Who knows if it's anything above 39 degrees. I'm feeling a little confident <laughs> in this, in this Eagles team, but it's all right. It's all right. We're, Round one is going to be ours. Doug, Doug, if Doug is as good of a coach as we say he is, then you better get that team prepared for that one game against the team coming in here uh, that's going to be here on short rest and having to play in front of this crowd. That's all I got. That's all I got. I think they're going to win next weekend because of the crowd and the defense, and I don't think Foles is going to play horrible. And then the week after, he'll probably just vomit on himself. But we can get to that at a later date. The one I guess... Uh, frightening revelation of this week was the fact that Doug uh, was watching 2013 tape of Nick Foles just to get his try to see if there's anything he could use to uh, get him going a little bit, which is uh, not great. It's definitely not great that we're having having to go back and watch tape from 2013, which was uh, four years ago, just to see the last time he was good and see if there's any way that we can jumpstart this offense. Definitely not a, a great sign heading into the playoffs. Uh, I just wonder, like, do you think Doug was watching that tape and he would see uh, number 25 and be like, man, I could really use that guy. He seems like he, he seems like he's going to be, he's a bit of a player. Would they, what, would he retire? Was it, was he just about done? Was he heading towards the end there in 2013? I'd love to know what Doug was watching and saw uh, saw LeSean McCoy out there being like, ah, whatever happened to that guy? I bet he, I bet he totally didn't pan out. <sighs> good old chipper. Uh, but yeah, definitely not a good sign that 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 Doug was watching some 2013 tape of, tape of Nick Foles to, to get him ready for a playoff game. But I mean, anything to jumpstart the offense. Honestly, if, 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 if up-tempo makes Foles look any kind of better, uh, I'm good. Whatever it takes to win one playoff game, that's all I'm asking for. But... Having to go back and watch 2013 tape is just definitely uh, not a good sign. Another thing that happened this week um, is that both Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens were both named finalists for the Hall of Fame. And it's about time, honestly. Like, I know T.O. was tumultuous here. And my ESPN login, my ESPN username is still T.O. Sucks for Life with an X and a 4. So it's T-O-S-U-X for the number four life swag. I was really cool in 2004. Also, I was in like fourth grade, but, but I hated T.O. Uh, just about as much as anyone else. However, that guy 
is a stone lock Hall of Famer. And the fact that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer is egregious. And it's just for things off the field, how he was in the locker room. Who gives a shit how he was in the locker room? The guy's the third best receiver of all time. And he deserves to be a Hall of Famer for all of his accolades on the field. Like the media is so annoying with this because they vote on the whole thing. And like he wasn't great to the media. So they're like, oh, well, guess what? You're not going to get voted into the Hall of Fame. Get over yourself. Just get over yourself, please. And put put Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame because he's the third greatest receiver of all time. And he deserves to get in. Now, also speaking of T.O. for 30 seconds, uh, we're just not going to forget about Corey Clement saying that he became a Cowboys fan once Terrell Owens left Philadelphia. But moving on, the more important thing is that Brian Dawkins was uh, nominated. He's a, he's a finalist this year for making the Hall of Fame. And thank God. I mean, the guy revolutionized the position. He was a innovative safe, safety. And the bullshit of this all is, is his stats, his tape was all better than Troy Palomalu. But... Troy Palomalu is probably going to get in. He's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer in a lot of people's eyes. But Dawkins has struggled to get in, which is frustrating. But I just feel like this is going to be the the year for Doc. And the reason why I bring this up is because I saw something I didn't like on social media after Doc was was announced that he's a finalist. And it's the fact that the Broncos, the, the Broncos come in here and they're tweeting out about about Brian Dawkins, about our son Brian Dawkins, about the guy who was a legend here. The Broncos don't have any right to tw- to tweet out about 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 Brian Dawkins. Look at this tweet, Doc. This is what they said, Doc. Congrats to former Broncos safety Brian Dawkins on being a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. He played there for. Th- Three years. You don't get the you don't get the claim. Like it doesn't even matter. He wasn't a he wasn't barely even a part of your culture. You didn't want to be there. You don't get a claim, Doc. Doc's ours, all right. I I think you have to play for another team for at least four seasons before you are truly a member of that team. So way to go, Broncos. You broke up the broke up the bro code. You broke up the Twitter code. Brian Dawkins. You know, you don't get the right to tweet out about Brian Dawkins. As we turn the calendar over to the new year, it is now 2018, and it's four days past the new year, still in the realm of saying Happy New Year. There's always a cutoff, and for me, any in the, in the single digits is fine for still saying Happy New Year. Anything in the double digits of January, I'm out. You're not allowed to say Happy New Year after the after the ninth. Anything in the single digits is fine. But for the last show, or for the first show of 2018, and a lot of shows do this, but I'm going to do it as well. I want to take a look back at 2017. And really, I want to look at 2017 from a, a holistic standpoint. I want to take a look back. How are we going to look back on the year 2017 for the Philadelphia Eagles? Because... I think I've found the perfect term for it. 2017 was the year of the dry hump. Now, I know some of you are thinking dry hump, like the classic term of dry hump. And yeah, that also works for this as well. 
But honestly, because because I don't have a dirty mind like you people. Um, dry hump to me is when you're uh, is when if you have any of you played baseball growing up and you go down to the bullpen and you get warmed up and then you don't go in the game. That's that's what I always thought was a dry hump until you know I got old enough and I was like, oh, that's why my coaches say it. Also, that's also why my coaches say uh, don't have girlfriends because women weaken the legs. I found that one out really late, <laughs> and I was like, why was my why when I was twelve was my coach telling me that? Whatever. Um, it's the year of the dry hump, and it's the year of the dry hump because you know, for obvious reasons, we were so close. Oh, we're so close, we're so close. and nothing, abs, nothing, nothing. We're blue balled. Nick Foles is our blue balls, essentially. 2017 for the Philadelphia Eagles was the year of the dry hump. You had Carson Wentz, the perfect ten. You're dime. He was the guy that was going to lead us to our first Super Bowl, and he will eventually. He will lead us to a Super Bowl at some point, but unfortunately. He has a whole knee problem, but uh, it was the year of the dry hump. You know, Carson Wentz turned into a, an absolute superstar in front of our eyes, into a top five quarterback in the in the entire league. Uh, we were all excited. The defense was flying around, making plays all over the field. Doug Peterson, coach of the year. Howie Roseman, every single one of Howie Roseman's deals were working out. Uh, Patrick Robinson, his first round pick was looking great. Uh, Sidney Jones is on his track back. It was all building towards. It was all the perfect storm. Teams in the NFC were, were having key injuries. The Eagles also had injuries, but there was major injuries around the NFC that was helping the Eagles out here. Uh, whether it was Rodgers, um, you know, there there was there was there was major like Luke Kuechly went out for a little bit. You know, I could never say Luke Kuechly right. I always say Luke Kuechly. So stupid. But like I was saying, there was key injuries all over the league. It just felt like everything was breaking. The Eagles way and all this momentum, all this was the dry hump. This is all building in towards the dry hump. And just when we were ready to do the thing, Carson went out with a knee injury. The defense looks subpar. Uh, the, the offense can't move the ball. Uh, they didn't even get into the red zone on Sunday. Merrill Reese was making fun of the Eagles not getting into the red zone on Sunday. That's how that's how bad it was on Sunday. Even with Nate Sudfeld, like... Sure. In the moment, I was like, yeah, sure, Nate Sudfeld. But, like, I mean, it's a pretty high expectation to start a guy when he didn't even enter the red zone once and didn't score any points as well. It's not like he lit him on fire. I mean, he went Bradford on him and had an 83% completion percentage, which is fine. But, I mean, that didn't really mean much. Anyway, 2017 was the year of the dry hump for the Philadelphia Eagles. And honestly, NFL Films, I know you guys have a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Feel free to take that on your uh, on your year in review of this Eagles team. Boom, it's time to check the mailbag. The counterpoint mailbag, which you can always send an email to, uh, counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. Or as always, you can you can tweet me whenever you want about counterpoint and whatever. Uh, if I remember to check my favorites, I will certainly read them on the podcast. Um, but we had some. We had a, another really strong crop of emails today. You know, I, I called out my trust triers a couple weeks ago, saying, "Hey, three. That's all I get. That's all I get. You guys are better than that." And you guys have responded. So, uh, really great questions as always. Thanks for thanks for sending them in, and I'll try to answer as much as possible. This is from Chris Mora. Um, I'm trying to be as as objective as possible, but holy crap, 
does the national media make it impossible? How can you not consider Doug, Dougie P as coach of the year and or Carson as MVP? So first off, I think Doug, Doug Peterson is getting um, enough coach of the year buzz. I just feel like it's going to go to Sean McVay just because of, I mean, like they both, they both turned around pretty bad average teams last year. Um, obviously, I mean, Sean McVay had to outdo all of Jeff Fisher, um, but the, the Dougie P stuff is there. If he came out and still kept on the same stuff with Nick Foles and looked as dominant with him out there as with Carson, probably a little bit more buzz, but I agree. I think he's being um, underrated, uh, underrated all across the board in, in, in all aspects. Now the MVP thing with Carson. Now this is fucking ridiculous because if you have like, no one's talking about the possibility of Carson Wentz winning the MVP and it's fucking bullshit. The guy is still second in the league in touchdowns. The guy missed three games. Been out. He's been out for three games and a quarter. He's hey, honestly, honestly, the Rams game was his best game of the season. He was getting better as the season went on. And he completely turned around the team last year. They went 13 and three. Now they probably have the same record if, if Wentz is out there. Which is fine. But I mean, like they played three dog shit opponents. Carson Wentz. Like, even if he doesn't win, and I understand he's not going to win the MVP because of the games played thing and whatever, but he was the best player in football this year. Like, Todd Gurley is still a running back. Like, he's not doing everything. I mean, I think he's the main cog of that offense, but it's still Jared Goff. He still has to make throws. It's not like if you, if you put Sean Mannion out there that, that Todd Gurley's putting up MVP numbers. That's bullshit and Brady who is fantastic has thrown five picks in five straight games and it's not even a good Brady year now if you want to give him a lifetime achievement award sure like he's had he has two he has two MVPs and he's been around he's been the best player in football for 15 years like that's ridiculous and they never go to the best player which is fine I'm just saying that the, the lack of Carson Wentz for MVP buzz is ridiculous the guy was second in the league second in the league in touchdowns even though he missed three games he was leading the best team in the NFC, which they still ended up with the one seed. If he, if he played, he still went. They're still the one seed. It's not like he would have lost all three of those games. Um, Nick Foles has brought this. He's drugged this offense to an absolute halt. Uh, Carson Wentz was was twenty touchdowns to no picks in the red zone, which is unheard of. And he played six. He played six teams with winning with that have won nine or more games this season. Six teams that have won nine or more games a season, and all six of those games were on the road. And he went four and two in those games and had a 95 passer rating, 13 touchdowns, and three picks. Come on. Come on. The guy dominates on the road. It's pretty much all you can ask for out of, out of an MVP caliber player. It's ridiculous. He's not, he's not getting enough, he's just not getting enough, enough, enough recognition in, in my humble, totally not biased opinion. All right, this next one is from uh, Stephen Duclos. Uh, all right, I, he, start, he starts it off with, I fucking love this pod. It wasn't me that said it. It was Steven. Um, I'm a football coach, a high school football coach, and have been a loyal listener since the beginning of BGN Radio and especially love the counterpoint on the drive home every week. Thank you very much, Steven. I can relate to your disease madness for the birds. I've missed family events, weddings, church, for Eagles games. Um, you can always take a break. I mean, church, like, come on. You can always take a break from that for some birds. It'll be there in the summer. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Eagles always come first. That's a known fact, of course. I uh, wanted to mention I'm from New Hampshire and have been a fan my whole life. It's crazy. 
we have fans from all around the world. I agree. I think it's super weird. Uh, I'm sorry that you chose <laughs> chose to be an Eagles fan. It's not exactly the most fun existence, but with Carson Wentz, it feels a lot more fun. That's for sure. All right. My question is with the success of the Wham Trap Scheme, holy shit, that we run, pretty unique play design if you ask me, and the Cross Buck TE Trap, <laughs> do you think that we have a good shot at grinding out these home games um, Ajayi will, Ajayi has fresh legs and has mentioned in the broadcast that teams really struggle with their new trap scheme. I think we see more of that come playoff time. It can take some pressure off of Nikki nine step drop. Uh, what would you like to see as far as play design for the playoffs? Maybe your thoughts on a proper run pass ratio for success in the playoffs. So, um, I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. I don't know what a wham trap scheme is <laughs> or like the cross buck. T.O. trap, but Steven sounds like he knows football. So listen to what Steven said in the beginning of that question. And yeah, uh, now the running the ball thing I think is so funny because like, sure, running the ball makes a lot of sense. Run it down their throats and get to the fourth quarter and do it some more and build a lead and just just grind out the clock as much as, much as possible. Win games 10-6 and like, sure, that's all well and good. But here's the thing: it's that if you if you, if you just run the ball all the time, teams are gonna are gonna stack eight in the box and force Nick Foles to beat you. And until Nick Foles so, shows that he can beat you just a little bit, uh, they're just gonna keep doing that. So until Nick Foles steps up his game, the running game just gonna. It's like, do you really want to hand the ball off and boom, it's second and ten because you're not getting any traction? Like I don't know. That doesn't sound like the greatest brand of football. It just sounds like you're you're doing you're 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 doing the insane thing where you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It's kind of how I feel about this about this Eagles run game. I think they're going to pass it sixty times and run it forty times, sixty forty uh, dis- distribution. To be honest with you, I really do. I don't think he's going to change it that much. I think you need Nick Foles to play well if you want to win games uh, in the playoffs. You're just going to have to. You can have an effective run game, but Nick Foles needs to show that he can beat you. It's just all. It's really just as simple as that. He also says to add. He also says uh, to add to your thoughts about Jernigan. Do you believe Ravens fans claiming this is exactly what Jernigan is? Uh, the type of player to have a high motor, strong performances earlier in the year, but runs out of gas towards the latter half of the season. Um, seems to me that that's what we may be seeing. Yeah, it, it really does kind of feel that way with Jernigan. I mean, the the first half, first three quarters of the season, it was like, wow, Jernigan's dominating, and he's really just being disruptive and unleashing Fletcher Cox, but it feels like recently, he hasn't been as disruptive of a force, and now maybe he's he's uh, he's just trying to keep himself, himself as fresh as possible, and we'll see a new Timmy Jernigan come to playoffs, but this is exactly what Ravens fans were saying he does. Um, so, you know, he maybe he'll come out next year and do the same thing. I don't know. Uh, definitely a little bit worrisome given the 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 contract that we gave him, but uh, I think it's a little too early to to press the panic button on that. All right, this goes to Kyle Hill. What's up, man? L- listening from Virginia. Nice. Um, few things. One, I completely agree with wanting Wentz, wanting Wentz to be the first. I'll obviously be ecstatic to get a Lombardi this year, but it just won't be the same without Carson. Completely agree. Not even close to being row over Carson, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, all right. So usually I get a go birds in public and I just go with a hell yeah. You know what, Kyle? That's a good point. If you just throw out a hell yeah, seems like things will be fine. It's just like there's different differentiations of a hell yeah. 
you gotta have the right tone with a hell yeah. Because if you if you throw it a hell yeah, it's a little aggressive. Or if you've come, that's just too strong. It's too too strong of a hell yeah. But if you come in too soft, like hell yeah, like I, I don't know, it's gotta be like a hell yeah, man. Go birds or something like that. But even saying that, like honestly, you listening at home, you just heard me say that. How awkward did that sound? I'm telling you, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't respond to a go birds in public normally. I sound like an idiot. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> I can't do go birds. Hell yeah, go birds. Too aggressive. I'm telling you. It's something that's in my head. I have the yips. I really do have the yips when someone says go birds. Third point from Kyle. If Foles does go to the Super Bowl, do you think we trade him for some draft capital capital and get some O-line depth back? Or do we trade for someone that's already proven himself? Really don't see Foles here next year. Um, yeah, so it, it's tricky here because if you're... I don't think Carson's going to play until like October next year. So am I really okay going four to eight weeks without Carson Wentz and having like Nate Sudfeld play those games? I'm not sure I'm ready for that point. I know how bad Foles is. I know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would, if I had a good timetable on Carson and it was only four weeks, I'd probably move on. But if he's, if he's going to miss until November and make it eight weeks, that's getting a little bit worrisome. Uh, and I, if you do trade him, I'm fine with trading him. Just make sure you get someone in here uh, that knows what he's doing. That's pretty much all I got to say. Like I would, if if you're giving me legit draft capital for Nick Foles, one, you're an idiot, um, and two, sure, do it. Uh, and get someone in here that is at least competent for the first couple weeks of the season because I don't think Nate Sudfeld is, but he could be. All right, we got our first uh, lady counterpoint question, which is interesting. It's very cool that that some girls listen to the show. Thank you for listening. Um, Heather says, hi, Jack. First off, I love the podcast and listen every week. Thank you very much. Uh, my question, your philosophy on all or nothing girlfriends has been duly noted. Thank you. I hope you didn't take offense to it. It's nothing, you know, just how I personally am. Um, does your theory still hold going the other way? Does having a boyfriend who is not into sports or football, say something about his man card or lack thereof, signed fellow diseased Eagles fan. So, here's the thing, is that I think not liking sports as a guy is pretty embarrassing. So, Heather, you seem like someone that loves the Philadelphia Eagles. You love football. You love all that good stuff. And having a boyfriend that 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 doesn't, it just feels like a weird mix because guys are like, Guys, like if you're, I just don't understand. I could, I, me personally, I could never understand being a guy and not being at least somewhat into sports. I just think you'd have a hard time finding a soulmate if he wasn't into sports as a, as a, as a guy. It's just like weird. It's like you, <laughs> you like high fiving and running around the bar, being all excited with the Eagles, and then your boyfriend being like, mm, yeah, it doesn't, what is this? What, look, at the, look at these. Look at these buffoons like running around playing football. Football's stupid. Um, yeah, that just come on. That doesn't sound. I mean, sure, Heather, it could work for you. I don't. I mean, I'm obviously a guy. I don't know how uh, girls think, but I think I think it's tough for a girl to be more into football than a guy. Just it's just a weird. It would be a weird setup. 
as a, if I was a girl. But hey, good luck with that. I'm not, I'm not a, it's a tough situation. But as long as you love the Eagles, that's all that really matters. As long as they're the first love. <laughs> this is from Ryan uh, Steinseifer. What's up, Jack? I have two questions for you. The first is, what will it take to get Trey Burton or Greg Ward to try being quarterbacks again? I don't know if I can watch the playoffs with Foles playing and not break my TV, and Sudfellas is showing to throw checkdowns. The checkdowns might work for Tom Brady, but we have no white slot receivers to get bullshit first downs off of slants. You know? I don't see any holes in that. I don't see holes in that theory, Ryan. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, do quarterbacks that wear seven in Philadelphia and are scrawny as shit just start checkdowns? Because that's exactly... He, he, I thought it was Sam Bradford. I really did. The one part I really appreciated about Sudfeld was he, like, tried to do the Carson Wentz spin thing, like, twice. And he he know he's watching Carson all this year, like, oh, I can do that shit. <laughs> and they did it in the game, and I was like, nope, nope, I'm still Nate Sudfeld. So, I mean, honestly, like, Trey Burden and Craig, Greg, now Greg Ward, give it a shot. Why not, kid? Get him, get him ready to go. Um, the second is for my Madden franchise. I'm getting bored waiting for the bye week to pass, so I try to do the impossible and bring the Browns to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you're talking about pooping or Madden, but after trading for Wentz and pulling off some magic, I got to the Super Bowl in 2019. Would it be wrong to fire Hugh Jackson the week before the Super Bowl and hire Marvin Lewis, who is a free agent? Well, I mean, Marvin Lewis has never won a playoff game, so I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do. Um, also, Madden. Like, do people still play Madden? Madden is such a bad football. It's just a bad game. The gameplay is terrible. Uh, the graphics aren't realistic at all. The gameplay is just its just not real. Like, the problem is I play a lot of 2K, and, like, going from NBA 2K to playing Madden, like, NBA, they have the legit shots of every single player. And they know how every single player throws. So like like Madden, you can't even get how Brady throws. Like Brady has a very distinct mechanics and you can't even get him down. Like it's just just a bad game. I don't like Madden. I don't like Madden at all. I think it's a I bought it this year and it was one of the worst decisions of my life, if being honest with you. I don't I don't get the Madden thing. They should just disband that. This one is from Tyler Bean. Happy postseason, sort of. Jack Love the Show is wondering if you could pick the ideal path to the Super Bowl opponent, who would you want? Or opponent wise, um, I would love for the the Falcons to come in here because I think we would uh, destroy the Falcons. Um, and I know I'm not going to do what's the Lions saying today because the Eagles aren't playing. But if you're gambling this weekend, why wouldn't you just take Falcons plus six and a half money line? Because couldn't you see see a, a scenario where Julio goes off for like 200 plus yards and like they could. They could win that football game. I don't think they will, but they definitely could win that football game. So, um, obviously, I like to play the Falcons next round. I think the Eagles match up really well against them, and I think they could move. The Eagles could move the ball against that Falcons defense. Um, and then anything on the if, if, they, if they do make the NFC Championship game, uh, anything to take the Vikings out because I think the Vikings would kill Nick Foles. I don't think he'd make it through all four quarters. I would personally play the Panthers. Um, obviously, with I mean Cam's just so been so up and down. Um, they, they rattled him game one and thinking you can get in his head. So if they could play the Panthers in the NC championship game, I'd feel pretty confident, uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles, but that, that'd be my path. And then the, you know, Eagles, if they play the Falcons and then the Panthers, I'd feel pretty darn good. All right, let's check the, uh, the twitter.com. So this one is from our, our friend, Neil Dutton, who is from Britain. So I'm going to read this. In a British accent. Pip-pip. All right. If your significant other told you 
that she was leaving you for Carson Wentz, would you help her pack or volunteer to move out yourself? Purely hypothetical, of course. Is that a pretty good deal? I don't know. <laughs> so it depends because am I getting hobbled up Carson Wentz and he's laying around for, for nine months? No, my significant other cannot leave me for Carson Wentz. But if I'm getting fully healthy Carson Wentz and she's going to help him win a Super Bowl, sure. I'll, I'll pack her bags and she can help Carson because you know, I'm not giving up her for a hobbled up Carson Wentz. But sure, for a fully healthy Carson Wentz to help my football team, I will, uh, I'll, I'll help out Mr. Wentz. Second one from Neil, back in a British accent mode. Who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Eagles jerseys to own, counting only players that contributed next to nothing for the team? Steve Smith, Ronnie Brown have to be in contention. See, I, now obviously I'm coming from 2000, you know, 2000 on. But like, even though he technically did some things for the Eagles, like I'm putting Namdi on there. Like Namdi was a was a was a I fucking hate Namdi, and I'm gonna put Ruben Randall on there on top of you and Steve Smith and Ronnie Brown. Steve Smith, Ronnie Brown, Ruben Randall, who I talked myself into unfortunately, and Namdi because Namdi will always be dead to me. Uh, from Tim Westcott, is the Wentz injury the worst Eagles injury of all time? Um, in my lifetime, probably because To actually did come back for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, for me, it is <laughs> because I thought this was the year. The The Wentz injury is the worst Eagles injury of all time. Uh, from Nader, should Sidney Jones be active in our playoff game? Uh, sure. I think he played well. I think he's going to be an absolute star. He may not be ready just yet, but in a couple of years, Sidney Jones is going to be th- thought of as one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. So I'll have him active if I need him. Like I thought he looked really good in the press on Sunday. Uh, I think he's going to be a, an absolute stud. Uh, on the press side of the game. So I would take a chance on just having him active. I'm not saying play him, but if 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 Jalen or or Darby or Rasul are getting torched, I'd have no problems throwing Sidney Jones out there. I don't think it's a mistake. I would just do it. So that's going to do it for episode 21, the Bobby Taylor episode of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio, BleedingGreenNation.com, and BGN dot, BGNRadio.com. I'm your host, Jack Fritz, and I'll be back next week, hopefully, to get us prepared for the Falcons. This is what, your second record, and it's the song you wrote.